Hi, I'm Apollonia. You may remember me from Purple Rain as leading lady to Prince, or from my band Apollonia 6. I've starred in films, TV shows, and I've been on the cover of magazines all over the world, including Playboy. I was also an LA Rams cheerleader. I'm going to take you with me. Welcome to my podcast, Apollonia Studio 6. Hi, I'm Apollonia, and welcome to my podcast, Apollonia Studio 6. And to my right is my co-host, Mr. Seth. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Seth, for being here today. And will you let our fans know who our guest is today? We have a music legend. He is a music icon. He is the guy who has made the careers of some of the biggest artists ever in music. He's the one and only Mr. Joe is grow. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. I, thought, I, I thought you were bringing somebody else on. <laughs> I didn't know it was for me. Oh, okay. Thank you. I'll take it. Oh, <laughs> man. This is so great. We have Joe Isgro. Yes. I am so honored to have you here today, Joe. Oh, pleasure's mine. Pleasure's wow. mine. Man, I don't even know where to start. We were just sitting here laughing before we started the show, uh, talking about you know how many years we've known each other. But yeah. I'll start with... Your beginnings. <laughs> My beginnings? <laughs> Your beginnings. You were born in Philadelphia. Correct. August. Correct. Okay, yeah. You Been know. in enough birthday parties. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know what your childhood life was like in, in Philly, your neighborhood. What was that like for you? What, uh, what, what were you doing? Well, I come from a very humble background, so there was six of us, six mm -hmm. children. And we had one room, <laughs> three, two bunk beds on uh -huh. either side, and uh, <clears throat> I would say um, pretty pretty poor. Yeah, yeah, things were rough, but right. it was good. We had, a, I had good parents, right. and uh, you know, I went to school, graduated mm -hmm. high school barely, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> then was right off to the Marine Corps because right. at that time the draft was on, mm -hmm. and uh, you had the option of going to college, which that wasn't in my future, right? And um, or you were going to be drafted. Right. So I decided to enlist because my father was a Marine, my mm. grandfather was a Marine, so I figured right. if I enlist, I can choose the branch of the service I went in. Right. Then off to Vietnam I went. Wow. Came back. Wow. And you said your father was in the Marines. What yeah. did your, so he was had a military <laughs> life all of his life? No, no, no. No, he served during the Second World War. Okay. And then got out when the war was over and started his family. Mm -hmm. What yeah. did he do? He was at const construction. He was a carpenter. So that's how he put food on the table for you. Yes, he did. What did your mom do? My mother was a, was a homekeeper. She yeah. took care of her six kids. That was a that was a big job. <laughs> so out of the six kids, you have how many brothers or sisters? All sisters. All sisters. Oh. And yeah. you're the only male. Correct. Man, can you imagine having like your badass brother, like you know, and the oldest, and oh, which means that I had to look out for them all. Oh, so okay. you, oh yeah. wow, yeah. I bet and that was a whole other motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were happy to see me enlisting the Marines. <laughs> so it must have been like, so you would have to like meet their boyfriends and everything. Um, no, they, like I said, they were younger than me. So I, mm -hmm. when I went to Vietnam, I was 18 mm. when I left for Vietnam. So my mm -hmm. sisters were. Uh, I guess 16, 17, mm -hmm. and then down from there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, you had to, had to 
keep an eye out for your sisters. Right. What and did you do for fun before? This is before you enlisted when you were still. Well, there your... wasn't much time between between getting out of high school and mm -hmm. enlisted. I enlisted very quickly right. into the Marine Corps and then went off to training boot camp mm -hmm. and then into uh, yeah, into the service into off to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I you were my father telling me, he says, listen, if you got to enlist, right. at least learn something, take right. up some kind of trade. So when you come out, I would rather be in Vietnam than right. going back to school again. Right, at exactly. That time. So, and I said, so, uh, yeah, okay, that's what I do. So what I did is I, I got a degree in guerrilla warfare and mm -hmm. one in jungle warfare. Damn, 19. <laughs> yeah, and I remember sitting with my father on a Sunday afternoon when I came home. And he hit me in the head with the Sunday paper, and he said, he said, do me a favor. He said, now take a look at the one ads there. Let me know where you're going to get a job in guerrilla warfare <laughs> and jungle warfare. <laughs> right? I said, well, I got a point there. <laughs> I see where you get your sense of humor from, from your pop. <laughs> oh, man. So this is by your 20th, your term had ended with the Marines. You were presented a Purple Heart. Yeah, in Vietnam, yeah. By Westmoreland. Well, no, I was that. That was a, a an honor thing. Mm -hmm. After I came home and okay. I was successful in the music business, mm -hmm. then I had met him and everything because mm -hmm. Westmoreland was commanding general of right. all troops. I was right. decorated mm -hmm. on the field by General Styles, okay, who was commanding general of Task Force X-ray, which was what I was a part of. Wow. In Vietnam. Wow. How did you? transition from that military life into the music business how did well, that's that a good, that's an interesting question <laughs> yeah i had um, i had i went to work when i first came home for hoffa as a union organizer in philadelphia and no. that lasted about well i was going out with a girl who was uh, i think she was she was first or second runner-up in miss pennsylvania mm. so she she said to me she said is this really what you want to do the rest of your life yeah because the job was to go in and really basically get in fights and get the unions in yeah. into places i've come home to gash here or cut here toothpaste no. she yeah. says is this really what you want to do the rest of your life wow. and i said well <clears throat> for right now i'm fine mm -hmm. you know and uh she said well she worked at a radio station she worked at WIP in Philadelphia. She was a receptionist there. So she said, well, she says, I know a lot of the promotion guys that come in for their appointments every week. She says, why don't I ask one if there's some kind of availability in the music business? And I said, uh, what do I know about the music business? <laughs> I know what records are 49 cents to singles, yeah, right? Yeah. I said, and a dollar an hour, two ninety nine for the album. I said, yeah. beyond that, that's the end of my knowledge right, of the music right, business. Yeah. Well, at least you can try. Maybe maybe you can get in at some level or something uh -huh. like that. So she set me up with an interview with Decca Records at the time, mm -hmm. which was Sam right. Passamana, Decca. Right. One, yep. There were three companies, Decca, Uni, and Cap, uh -huh. which went on to be MCA, which yep. is universal right. today. So uh, it was in Trenton, not Trenton, Camden, New Jersey. So I, went, I remember the interview. I could still remember it clearly today. <laughs> Sam was a really nice guy. Uh -huh. He was a good guy. So... He said to me, are you a musician? I said, no. And he says, are, are, are you a college graduate? No. He says, um, do, you, do you know anything about the music business or anything? I said, no, not at all. So, and he says, well, he says, why, were you, why would you be applying for this job? <laughs> and, I, and I said to him, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you. 
um, can I say what I yeah, said? I said, yeah. I, I says, because my girl's breaking my balls and she doesn't want me doing what I'm doing. She wants me to get into it. That's the only reason I'm here, Bob. <laughs> so, uh, so he said, well, he said, well, thanks for coming and everything else like that, but I think we're looking for somebody more qualified. I said, fine. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. And at least I went to the interview. It's over. Yeah. Right? So lo and behold, about a month later, I got a call from him. He called me up and he said, it's Sam Passamano. <coughs> Excuse me. And I said, uh, okay. So he said, why don't you come down and talk to me? Okay. So I drove over to Camden and sat down. And he said, listen, I think we need some new blood in this business. And he says, and, uh, and you're a veteran and everything. He says, mm-hmm. I'm inclined to give you a chance. He says, you're kind of an interesting guy. Is <laughs> what he said to me. Alex, okay. So uh, um, he says, I'll give you hundred and uh, I was I was making one hundred and sixty five dollars a week. He says I'll give you one hundred and fifty dollars a week to start, mm-hmm. and you can start in local promotion and learn, and then you can work your way up there. And I said I said to him, Wait a minute! I said I told you I'm making one hundred sixty five dollars a year. Why the hell would I take a job one hundred and fifty dollars a year? And he said to me, Maybe because you'd have a future. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, Yeah, oh, that's a point there. You know. <laughs> so uh, I took the job. I accepted mm-hmm. the job. Because he said to me, and the only reason I accepted it is because he says, I'll give you $50 a week expenses. So I did the math right away. I was ahead of the game. I'm good to go. So, and that's how I started in the music business. Wow. You know, and it it was, I mean, it was like, not only was I entering a a whole new world here, at the time I came home, when I left to go to Vietnam, um, the guys had really short haircuts. The girls wore the the long skirts right. and everything else like that, and that's what but that's what I know when I left in Johnny mm-hmm. Mathis and, right. yeah. and that right. era. When I came back, the guys' hair were longer than women's hair, yeah. right. and uh, the girls' dresses were much shorter. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So it was a whole new experience when I came back. The music, everything mm-hmm. was totally different. I yeah. went from uh, Johnny Mathis to Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. in a very quick period of time so right. it was a jolt to the system yeah. and then i was getting into a business which i knew absolutely nothing about yeah. and uh I, I remember my first day when i went down all the guys were lined up to go to see the program director mm-hmm. and uh you know the, the guys were asking me questions like uh, you were actually in vietnam in my neighborhood everybody went to vietnam it was, right. I was nothing special about me going to vietnam yeah. i said right. yeah why you didn't go uh no no we didn't go. Mm. Did you actually shoot somebody? Oh, I said well I defended myself if right. that's what you meant. Yeah, and right. uh, but I was like a total anomaly to these guys. Yeah. It was yeah. just a whole different breed of right of, of uh, guys that I was as opposed to guys I was used to hanging mm. out with. Wow. But uh, I learned quick. That was you know? wild. Now when you came back, were you in touch, and are you still in touch with some of your brothers, military? Uh, not really. I I'd love it because you got to remember. We were flirting around with uh, 60 years ago, 55 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. No, okay. uh, I'm not. I, I was for the first few years, and they'd mm-hmm. had a couple of get-togethers. But after 25, 30 years went by, people mm-hmm. start passing. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Really. <coughs> it's really interesting because I, I can relate to, because my grandmother, mm-hmm. one yeah. of the, was one of the first female union organizers in the 40s. Ah. AFL CIO okay, right. UAW. Right, 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 right. And the way she met my grandfather was he was the foreman for the UAW in Detroit. I'm from Detroit originally. I see. So when you you start talking about unions and I I, I totally get that because that was their <laughs> life 
pretty much through the time I was growing up. Yeah. And then my mother and father were music people. Uh-huh. My mother was in Parliament Funkadelic with oh, George yeah, and, sure. George and, Clinton, yeah. and all of those guys. And, uh-huh. and uh, uh, yeah, her, her name is Malia Franklin. And the funny thing, and we'll get to this once we get to your Motown days, but there's a connection that we have with Jeffrey Bowen. Oh, sure. So, so we'll we'll get a little further into that when we go into Motown. So you, so after Decca, you went to Par- Paramount Records. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Paramount was next on the list. Yeah, okay. Nineteen seventy. What was the biggest? What was the first? What was the first record that you broke that like went crazy? Um, Melanie. Mm. I don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. Melanie or not. Yeah. Lay down. Lay down. Candles. Yeah. The Candles album she did uh, yep. in Central Park. Uh, this was brand new roller skate. Brand new, yeah. Was, I got a brand new key. Yeah. 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 I remember that. I that loved the, I bought the 45. Yeah, that was the first that I remember. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And then you went to uh, Motown. Well, the, I was oh, at was Paramount. Paramount, yeah. What was most exciting about that is- yeah. Godfather coming out. Remember, oh, Paramount yeah, yeah. did the movie. Yeah, yes. right? right. So we were just really happy about the movie and everything. Yeah. But the Paramount, and then after that, I think mm-hmm. I went to, um, I th- I don't know if I went to Roulette mm-hmm. right at the time. Was, that was right around the same time. I okay. did yes. work for a period of time for an independent distributor, which yeah. was Universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I went to uh, uh, work for Morris Levy at uh, Roulette. Okay. Shortly thereafter. Okay. 1974, yeah. you're at Roulette as National Director of Promotion. Yeah. And you got to oversee the company's publicity and advertising. No, I was a promotion guy. Promotion? Yeah, I did promotion there. Damn you, Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, one good thing about it, they have me a year younger uh, year younger than what I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 48, I think. Oh. Now, when you were at Paramount, yeah. you were there with Billy Joel. And the Crusaders. Yeah, Jazz Crusaders. So Billy Joel was just, that was just like, he was starting out? It's before he started out, actually, Jeez. yeah. It was, he really was, I remember taking him around to, like, the, at that time they had the, what were they called, the little coffee places where they used to play, like in a village in New York. Uh, oh, um, yeah, that's coffee, what I, coffee shops. Yeah, coffee like the coffee shops. Yeah. They would yeah. go around and play the, in those places and stuff. Like, I used to take them around to go to those places. That's right before Piano Man came. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say Piano Man. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Then came Piano Man. Wow. So now we're in 1976. Motown Records. Motown. Your big break. Oh, well, wow. I, that's, I think, well, I, I worked regional. Right after Roulette, I went to work regionally for Motown. Okay. Gotcha. First. Okay. And then the opportunity came up and I was contacted and they wanted me to come in and take over the national job in. Uh, in California, and that's when I came. I think that was '76. I think I'd been been working for them about a year before that as a regional guy. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And I came in around that time. Okay, '76. I came to California. Okay, yeah. um, uh, like I was saying, my uh, my aunt Jennifer was the fiance of Jeffrey Bowen when he was still in Detroit right. at Inv- Invictus right. Records with sure. Holland Dozier Holland, Holland, right? And uh, Barry. Uh, he met with Barry in London, hmm. Barry and Diana Ross, hmm. and Barry offered him a position out here in L.A. Seventy-two, hmm. I think. Him and my aunt Jennifer <clears throat> moved out here. They moved out here together, mm-hmm. 
and moved into that house on Sunset View Drive, mm-hmm. Gary's house. <laughs> yep. Uh, and um, and m- interestingly enough, because um, I wrote a book um, before my mom passed away, mm-hmm. I wrote her memoirs and the other collective women of Parliament Funkadelic. Right. And one of the funny things is that uh, there's a whole chapter that's dedicated to that Motown time. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that they talk about is uh, Diana recording at Marvin Gaye's house, that album that had Love Hangover on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sly Stone was, was, was producing, was supposed to produce some things mm. on that album. The story of why that blew up is in the book. Right, <laughs> right. But my Aunt Jennifer was, uh, was engaged to Jeffrey Honestly. when Jeffrey met Bonnie and the Pointer Sisters at Richard Pryor's house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was having a party at Richard Pryor's house. Richard Pryor was having a party. And that's when Jeffrey met Bonnie and convinced Bonnie to leave the Pointer Sisters because he was going to make her the new Diana Ross. Of she was a, ended up on my label. I know. Yeah, Beast yeah. in me. Yeah. I, I, I have mm-hmm. it. I yes. have it. Yes. That was years years later. <laughs> yeah, Private yeah. Eye. Yes, right? correct. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was just those days, just that, that chapter. And I remember as a little kid going up to that house, the Gordy house over on mm-hmm. Sunset View Drive, right behind the 9000 building. Oh yeah, yeah, 9, right 000. behind the nine thousand building, wow. and so Where my agent used to be. Uh, you know, when when um, when when I saw your piece on your life and you started talking about Bonnie and all, I was like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> the world it's is just so, so small. small. Yeah, that's incredible. Is. Yeah. So, man, being at Motown, mm-hmm. I mean, so you're there doing promotion and you're responsible for development. For people like Dinah Ross, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson, The Temptations, Lionel Richie, The Jacksons, The Commodores, Thelma Houston, Tina Marie. Then Motown then promotes you to national director of promotion. But let me let me interrupt you. Go ahead. I can't I would never take the credit of saying that I was responsible for Diana. Diana Ross was long before my time. Okay. Okay. Uh, So was well Marvin Gaye. Uh, Stevie Wonder, right. but the bottom line is certainly worked all their records right. from the time I got there, and we had we did songs in Key of Life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, remember Marvin then left uh, Motown and went to Columbia, mm. and uh, uh, Di- Diana was kind of interesting because we had the um, uh, she hadn't had a hit in a while, it had been quite a while she had a cold spell on yeah. tremendously talented, mm-hmm. but but she had a cold spell there for a while, and. Um, Buried that was his baby. Yeah. I mean, he wanted Diana to have a hit, and I think he brought, he brought in Holland Dozier and Holland. Mm-hmm. I know he brought in I, whoever you were, yeah. mm-hmm. you could right. produce. You were there, yep. and they're working on that album. And I remember him calling me, and the album was ready because this was like a big deal at Motown. Mm-hmm. Was their album going to be ready? And we're all waiting for it. And uh, he called me up, and I got in the album and listened to it. And he says, "Well, here's this is the single." And when I heard the single, it's not the one I was getting feedback on at all. Really? No. And I said, well, Mr. Gordy, I said, that's really not the, I said, I can get more feedback on this. And he said, well, I'll never forget his words. He says, well, I own the company. (laughs) So I said, you own the company. It makes you rich. It don't make you right. See? And I wanted Love Hangover. 
Yeah. And, ah. But they weren't, that wasn't the first choice. Right. So anyhow, we went with Love Hangover, right. and that was actually right in the disco era, mm -hmm. really. And uh, we did really well with it, kind of brought Diana back, and then she ended up leaving anyhow yeah. and going to RCA shortly right. thereafter. Right. Yeah, that's right. You know. But that's still development, what he's doing. Well, I worked I worked or... all their records mm -hmm. uh, yeah. when I was there, obviously. But the Commodores, for sure. The mm -hmm. Commodores were, or no, nobody ever heard of the Commodores. Yeah. Right. When they came, they were one of the acts that we definitely broke. But S Stevie had been around, but we had one of his biggest albums. We had one of Michael's biggest albums. Mm -hmm. And those we all marketed, and we did all the promotion on those. Wow. wow. So you got to spend time with Michael. Yeah, well, promotion. Michael was right around the corner from me after a while. And uh, Out I in the valley? Doing well. Yeah, in, in Encino. Mm -hmm. um, he lived, there, I was on one street, there was four homes there, and he was right behind us. So I knew the mother and father really well. Mm -hmm. I knew the the other sisters, too. Right. Uh, I had Latoya on my label. Right. And, That's uh, right. And he had uh, Janet. And, yeah, I right. knew them all very well. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I remember as a, as a kid... They would open up the doors, the gates to their house, yeah. and we would show up, my brother and I, and they would allow us to play basketball. And then yeah, sometimes the Osmonds, there was like, they would show up, Donnie would show yeah. up, and yeah. we were like the little token Mexican kids. They were like, <laughs> we want to play basketball <laughs> with, with Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. What were some of the other, as, as we're talking about Motown, uh, Love Hangover kind of started a streak of hits that you... Were, yeah, we had uh, we, we had uh, Thelma Houston. Don't leave me this way. Yeah, oh, that was man. one yeah. that we that was definitely one we broke. That was mm -hmm. one of our projects, and uh, and, and uh, oh, that was a huge record for them. Mm. Um, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson. Yeah. Uh, um, who else was it? Commodores. Uh, what was the Thames. biggest Motown record that you that you that you broke? The biggest one that you said this is the one. Well, I would say that was brand new. Uh -huh. That was a, a new artist. Yeah. Would, would have been uh, Thelma Houston. Okay, that yeah, was because that wasn't huge. just an R and B record. Yeah. That was mm -hmm. a big pop record, yeah. also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so that was good. Unfortunately, there was nothing really left in the album. Yeah, it, and nothing really came of her career. She really didn't mm -hmm. develop much yeah. of a career after. Yeah. That I know of, yeah. a great talent, but yeah. you know, sometimes it happens. Yeah, yeah. How do you, not having musical background, you know, getting that first job? What is it about you that enables you to hear five songs, and you say five songs, none of them are a hit, or you'll hear five songs, and one of them you're like, that's your first release? What is it? Depend it, it, two different phases of my life. At that at that phase, with the younger phase, when you're actually out in the street, you're mm -hmm. out of the clubs, you're out at the. I mean, I was at Woodstock, so mm -hmm. I mean, you get out there, you kind of get the field. So that was in the very early stages. Mm -hmm. But at that stage of my life, I didn't really have much say in what singles they chose mm -hmm. because I was a fledgling promotion guy. Okay, mm -hmm. oh my. Okay, later on in life, I have to attribute a lot of that. In all fairness. Mm -hmm. It's because I had I had been doing promotion for a while. I had a lot of connections. So I was able to get it out to the guys and get some feedback. Right. It wasn't just me mm -hmm. magically picking a song. I had feedback. I would go to the guys and say, mm -hmm. to, to radio guys, right. and say, what are you feeling? What are you mm -hmm. feeling? And when they would give me the input mm -hmm. and say, well, we like this one or that one. And let's face it, that's without that, you don't have a hit right. yeah. at right. the time. Yeah. At the time, you got social media today, which is yeah. a whole new ball game today. Yep. Yeah. So after Motown, is that when you started kind of doing things independently? 
Yeah, well, for different I, companies? I'll tell you a quick story on okay. that for you. So at that point in time, um, I remember one day Mr. Odie coming into my office and saying, listen, we want to get rid of all the local promotion guys. I want you to keep the staffs, the, mm -hmm. the regional staffs, mm -hmm. but the local guys want to get rid of them. I, I, I didn't quite understand what. <laughs> uh, first place, I'm not good at firing people. Right. But sec secondly, I, these are our, our guys. These are mm -hmm. guys in the field. Yeah. And we, we were talking and he said that, listen, we had talked to the other companies and they came to the conclusion we'd rather go to the independents. Mm -hmm. I, I have to pay, and this was, we had to pay for their salaries, their expenses, their insurances, mm -hmm. their travel, and everything. It costs a lot of money. Sometimes, some weeks they get a record plate, some weeks they don't. Mm -hmm. So we're looking to go with the independents where it's they get a record plate, they get paid for it. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. We don't have to pay all the expenses and everything mm -hmm. else. And I say, yeah, but Mr. Gordy, I says, don't you, don't you feel that somewhere, how are you guys as companies, your own competitive natures, and it, that's not gonna work well for you. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we're Motown. We're not CBS, we're right. not Warner Brothers. Right. No, we got that up. Don't worry about that. We got it under control. Okay. So I kind of thought about it, and shortly thereafter, it, I, I, I left Motown because yeah. I wanted to be one of those guys because I knew where this business was at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really did. I knew that you're going to put the life, the, the destiny of your company into the hands of six or seven guys. They don't have to be bad guys. They don't have to be greedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your own competitive natures. I mean, CBS is going to say, I'll give you 2,000. The other one says, I'll give you 4,000. The other one says, I'll give you 8,000. And that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what went on, what went on after that. Wow. I mean, I went, I went independent because I seen it. That, right. that was the future of the industry. Yeah. I really did. As far as the really making money and being very successful, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, that's what I wanted to be. Yeah. Was Private Eye your first label? In, that you started, or had you done one? No, I actually Private. had one small one called Lark. Okay, mm -hmm. and that was at Universal. Okay, and then Private Eye came after. I had that at uh, Sony and CBS, and then I had Raging Bull after that, mm -hmm. which I think was Raging Bull was at Polygram for a minute, mm -hmm. and uh, and then we went with the independent distributors. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. that was fun times. Yeah. It was a good time because yeah. I took a lot of those, a lot of those acts that had been around here for a while. Like I had Rick James, I had Cameo, I had the Gap Band, yeah. I had James Brown, uh -huh. I had Bonnie Pointer. Yep. So I had taken a lot of them that by that time were kind of slowing down in their careers and yep. we just jacked them right up again and just did really well with them. Really That's did great. great and it was fun and it was, it was great. You have my godfather, Bootsy Collins. Yeah, we have Bootsy for yeah. just one album. Though. Yeah. We have for, one album yeah. with Bootsy. Is that Lark? Yeah. Uh, with, no, that uh, was private at eye. Private Eye. No, Raging Bull. Oh, Raging Bull. Oh, Raging Bull. Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because I'm looking here, you had, at Private Eye, you had the Shy Lights, right? At the Shy Lights. The Staple Singers, Bonnie Pointer. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then you broke that huge hit for Matthew Wilder. That was my first record on my big label deal. Break with, My Stride. At the time with Columbia Records, mm -hmm. which is now Sony today. Mm -hmm. That was my first deal, the first record we did out. We had it. We ha I had that record number one, yep. uh, and that was a great situation. I mean, they were paying me mm -hmm. yep. for the album. Wow. Um, they were paying me to promote the album that I owned, mm -hmm. and it was just a great thing, and it was my first record. I remember the ink wasn't dried on the contract mm -hmm. before I was renegotiating 
the New Deal <laughs> <laughs> with Columbia after Matthew Waller, which yeah. was such a big record. Yeah, that was a yeah. break my stride. It was huge. Still and today. you still hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still hear mm-hmm. it. I, I think it's been one three or four national, it was, uh, remember O.J. Simpson did mm-hmm. it with the uh, budget rent-a-car. Yep. Right. Yeah, nobody's yep. going to break my stride in. Yep. You hear it all over the place. And then just recently, not that long, a year ago last year, they on uh, TikTok it was number one. Mm-hmm. They did a whole Rudy Gazzotti with it on that. Yeah. It was a very big record for us. But that huge, was fun. Huge, huge, huge record. Yeah, I remember when Bonnie, when you did uh, Beast and Me on Bonnie, mm-hmm. and uh, Bonnie hadn't, had she had, she really hadn't had any hits since Mo, the Mo, Motown, mm-hmm. um, Sugar Pie, she did <coughs> Sugar Pie Honey Bunch, right. and um, what was the other big one? Heaven Must Have Sent You. Yeah, Heaven Must Have Sent Heaven You. Must have sent oh, that you. was great. And um, and then Bonnie just, I'll never forget, I was like, she had a video and hair was all wild. And I said, look at Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Private Eye. Crazier than I her. know. I, her and Jeffrey. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay. I've there heard some of the angels. stories. Morris from... and Natasha. <laughs> oh, they were angels. They his were... manuscript. Yeah. I remember having them, and I, and I don't know where it was. I, it, it, I don't know if it was just a football game or it was a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but they wanted Bonnie to sing the half at halftime. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a call about a week later from the people from, from I don't know if it was NFL or whoever it was the sponsor. I, I, I don't know why, but it was in Oakland. Uh-huh. But anyhow, they still hadn't left the suite. No. They said, it's been a week now. We don't mind a comment about it. So it's been a week. They were moved in. <laughs> so Oh, yeah, that's, that yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> who was the guy that was uh, producing Bonnie at the time? Jeffrey. Was no, it Jeffrey? No, 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 no. Was no. somebody else? Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, I'll think of his name. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, Richard either. Perry. Oh, Richard Perry. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. Richard yes. Perry. Yes. Yeah, he was doing. Yes. He was. Yes. A, was he manager? Right. No, Richard Perry's producer. Yeah, he's a producer. Oh. Yeah. yeah, he's a producer. He produced all the big hits on Pointer Sisters. Correct. Mm. Jump and yes. Automatic and all the big okay. big. He produced that breakout album where the Pointers became huge. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, and I know Bonnie was kicking herself in the teeth probably because yeah. they became so big. Yeah. The Pointer Sisters became so big. Yep. Damn. And, and and unfortunately, Bonnie's career didn't ever really go where Jeffrey kind of promised it would go. Mm. But, well, but there's reasons for that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. We won't get all yeah, off into that. Into it's rich. Yeah. It's a rich <laughs> story. We won't get all off into that. Yeah. So I was reading um, that you help with the formation of EMI Records, which is a division of Capital Records. Well, actually, Capital is a division of EMI. Oh, yeah, so the other EMI way is the parent company in England, mm-hmm. and Capital Records has been here. And then Capital, uh, and then EMI decided to open up EMI in the United States, mm-hmm. and I was one of the, I was one of the original promotion guys that they brought in to do the, uh, to run the promotion division right. at EMI. That was yeah. right before I went independent. Mm-hmm. So independent. right after that, 1979, you form Isgro Enterprises Inc., yes. independent record promotion. Company, yeah. and you consult, you promote records uh, for major labels, including all of them. All of them. <laughs> all, of them. all of them. All of them. I know. Just to be all, of them. all of them. Yeah. So <laughs> read the artists. Oh yeah. Well, uh, just yeah, but read them out loud. It, it, it's just literally all we had. I had a yeah. label in the business. Yeah. Michael Jackson Culture Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neil Diamond. 
Diana Ross, Paul Young. They're the ones that just came to my mind. Barbara we Streisand. We had every label. Mm-hmm. And so, so and, I, and, and I decided to do something a little different than the rest of the guys were yeah. doing. The rest of the guys were kind of been in the business for a long time. They were old-time promotion guys. They were making 200 bucks a week, 250 a week. But, you know, if you have six, eight, ten companies, yeah. That's a thousand, two thousand dollars a week. That yeah. was big money at that yeah, time. Definitely. And it was very good. Yeah. But when I came in, I had different aspirations for things. I really did. I didn't just want to have the pop promotion because that's what they mm-hmm. did is pop promotion. Yeah. I came from Motown. Yeah. I had good relationships with all the urban guys. Yeah. And I know a lot of them had just lost their jobs. Yeah. So I put the largest independent black promotion business together. So mm-hmm. I had the, the 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 black division, I had the pop division. Mm-hmm. I then decided to have my own labels. Damn. We had a management company. We had a touring company. And it went off from there because I, I figured there's just more than just, I just didn't want to be a pop promotion mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. You know, especially with my background, it was yeah. more urban than it was pop. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so it's like yeah, a, that's where East Grow Enterprises came in. Right. You know, right. because it was going to be more than just promotion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's a whole full service company, mm-hmm. you know, development and... Yeah. I mean, all of it. Yeah. So how did you cross that bridge from that? Because you pro- crossed that into film. Mm-hmm. Often. That was easy. Uh-huh. Remember, I told you where I went to work as soon as I got out of the Marine Corps. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of easy. I had the estate rights. I had the rights mm-hmm. to do the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, the idea wasn't mine originally, but in Hollywood, they wanted to do the, the Union, the Hoffa story for years. The, um, Stallone yeah. wanted to do it desperately. Schwarzenegger wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. It was really a hot commodity in town. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't have the rights. Right. And other concerns that they had. Yeah. And uh, I assured him I had the rights and proved it to him. Yeah. And uh, that was it. It was done the next day. Wow. And it was, yep. that was $60 million. And you're talking about, what was it, 92? 1992? Yeah, 92. Mm. Yep. It was $60 million like that. Wow. Yeah, there yep. was no hesitation. Wow. So you produced the brilliant film Hoffa, which stars Jack Nicholson in the role of the American labor union leader James Hoffa. Correct. The film is nominated for two Academy Awards, a Golden Globe nomination. Yeah. That's, the, you, you, want, you want to know what's funny about that? Tell like, me. Just my luck. So at that time, if you had Jack Nicholson in a movie, mm-hmm. you were assured you were going to have the best movie of the year, right. Academy of Five Academy Awards right. and everything. And especially in that role where he went on TV and said that was, in his opinion, mm-hmm. one of his finest roles mm-hmm. he ever played. Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, oh, this is incredible. Yeah. I got yeah. Jack got Jack Nicholson doing it. Danny DeVito. Right. Directing. Like, uh, uh, yes, and acting. Yes. Armand Asante. Yep. We had a really good cast at the time. And with Jack Nicholson, I figured it was in like mm-hmm. Flynn. Who do you think I'm competing with that year for Academy Award for I don't Best remember. Picture? Well, it was Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise with, with uh, what was it, uh, A Few Good Men? Oh. oh. I'm saying I got Nicholson. But so they you, got Nicholson and Nick- Tom Cruise. Yeah, I said, Jesus. You can't oh, handle oh, the truth. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's right. who won the Academy, that, Academy Award that wow. year. That's, oh, that's man. Yeah. It is what it is. Wow. Written by David Mamet. Correct. So it was shot in New York, New Jersey, and Miami. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you just answered why. What is it that attracted you to this character, this this story? 
Well, I worked for him. Because you worked for him. See, <laughs> yeah. when you first came in, I was like, wow. So I remember I was, uh, you and I, you know, were friends at the time when you made this movie and I got to go to the premiere. And um, at the time, I knew that Joe was a big fan of the show Columbo. Yes. And he was a big fan of Peter Falk. Yes. So I call his management. I want to surprise Joe and I get the girls from the office to help me out. And we arrange for Peter to come in to meet, you know, Joe at the premiere. We send a car. And then all of a sudden, there we are at the premiere. Everybody's all dressed up. And I'm watching Joe. And everybody says, Peter's here. And I wish we had had iPhones at that time because I just watched you. I the pictures. Yeah. I, I can roll a picture with that. I mean, I was like over the moon. He, it's Columbo. Yeah. <laughs> His biggest, you know, I mean, he was a big fan. Yeah. So I, I just remember watching Joe and I'd look over and I'd look at Peter and I was just looking at your face. And oh. it was just, it was like a million dollar face. Just, you know, yeah. it was like, what? He's here? Oh, you know, it was just amazing. I said, I, how did you guys get there? Apollonia did it. Yeah. <laughs> did. I went I over said, there wow. and I was, hey, he's a big producer. He's making movies. <laughs> you guys got to hook up. You got to meet. But that, to me, I thought was just like a, a real great moment. I love it that. Definitely was a great moment in my life for sure. Yeah. I, I just love pictures of the wall at Yeah, with, too fun. And that was yeah. like, you know, so we're sitting there and, you know, this all-star cast and I'm like, you need this movie. Mm-hmm. Joe made this movie. And this was with uh, your production company, Raging Bull? Um, or were, you didn't have that yet? I don't know. I think it was all under his growing enterprise. I okay. think it was. Yeah. I don't remember. Okay. All righty. So you have now a production company, Raging Bull, and you have projects. Yeah. Lucky Luciano. Yeah. I bought you that book. Yes, I know you did. The, the the testament the life and testament of Lucky Luciano yeah. by written by Gosh, the last testament. The last Luciano. testament, yeah. yeah. And I remember buying that book, and then I got this mad crush on Lucky, you know his photos, and I remember thinking, Joe would love to read this book. So I remember I gave it to. You. Didn't I sign something to you or something yes, you in there? Did. I think okay. I got pictures on the wall at home of things you signed. To me. <laughs> I'm like signing. <laughs> is that Latino? <laughs> you know, signing the walls. You're also doing Pablo Escobar. No, we're no? we're not going to do that. Now. You're not no, going to do that no, one. No. And then you have the Stone Pony. Uh, no, these no? are all old ones you you have here. These were things that we had in pre-production that we okay. just never move forward with. I'm doing the next film with uh, Nick Bellawango, mm. with who did the Green Book. Oh, mm. yeah. Okay, so his next film, which is um, about the Westies in New York, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're moving forward. That That's going to get done. Oh, wow. Uh, and I have a couple of offers on the table with this project here, the the, uh, the Hitman project, right. which will not be called Hitman, but... right. That's my next question. You just produced your own documentary, and uh, it's called The Hitman Documentary? Correct. Based after a book? No. No? No. This is the real story. The real story. <laughs> yeah. The book was As the real story. Yes. Book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And this is The Life and Times of Joe Isgro. So The Hitman Doc, directed by Martin Guigui. Gigi. I want to say Gigi. And this is the life and times of Joe Isgro. So you invited me to be, 
to be interviewed in your documentary, and which I was is, honored that you accepted that. Thank you. I was excited. I was so excited. I had to do a lot of research and you know make sure that I knew you know who you were, who I was, <laughs> remembered my name that day. But it was really an amazing compilation of your entire life, Seth. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was there? We were over at unbelievable Warner's. Yeah. All right. right? Yeah, we were at Warner's, yeah. which was really interesting because after we we saw after it, we saw it. We went over to the original area where we shot the album cover of Purple the Rain. Purple Rain. Oh, okay. The yeah. staircase, and I stood up there, and it was a live shoot. I remember Seth was like, "Just get out of here," and I go, "Just shoot the photos." We <laughs> took the photos, <laughs> but the documentary was so so rich. Now, explain to us, you know, as far as it coming out and all your plans with that. Well, I haven't done anything. We finished it about a month ago. It was completed. Mm -hmm. I haven't done anything with it yet because uh, I have some offers now for a theatrical mm -hmm. movie and for a, um, um, a limited series. Based on the documentary about your life. Oh, based on my life, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So um, I have those right now, so I didn't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. didn't want to conflict or collide with right, the plans right. that we're doing right now. But we will do something mm -hmm. either before or after a theatrical movie. That'll be up to the people who, are, wow. who I do the deal with. That's that, great. Wow. That's coming. That's great. I, have a, I know yeah. I have a question. Who do you want to play you? You know what? People ask me all the time. Come on. <laughs> I have no idea. Could care even less. <laughs> oh, but you do care. No, no, not really. Because first of all, this would have to be, you know, me, you know, in my 30s. Right. You know, that's 40 years ago. Hmm. So I don't know. Just, yeah. So I don't. You know, as long as they're, as long as it's done well and everything. Right. I know the one offer that I have. I know they can do it really well because mm -hmm. they're big company, really good, big operation. Right. Who's done a movie very similar? Yeah. Mm, that, okay. Um, I can't get too far with it. Yeah. No. Don't. I know they do a great job. Yeah. With it. So that's to me. I, I let the creative people. I mean, you know, when they're when they're. As you know, films aren't just a matter of like who looks great and who's. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's all dollars and cents. I mean, right, yeah. who brings in this on foreign? Yep. Yes. Who, so you know how that the works. The politics? Yeah, a oh, lot of politics. Yeah. So yeah. to me, they're putting up their money. Mm -hmm. Let them mitigate their, their what they consider mitigating their risk mm -hmm. the best they can yeah. and be as creative as they can. When I give them stories, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not uh, insisting that this mm -hmm. be this way or this yeah. has to be in there. You right. know what? Hear the stories. Right. You're the creative people. Yeah. Put it together where you see, mm -hmm. where you feel it's best. You've right. got a track record of doing that. Right. Yeah. It's that's great. I look at it. Yeah, yeah. It's great to be flexible yeah. because yeah. otherwise you don't get it made, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or you're, yeah. I just, you know, I'm so honored that anybody thinks my life is that important are you that they're kidding? willing to do a, a movie yeah, yeah, over it yeah. and pay me on top of it yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> so, yeah. so i'm so honored about that i'm i'm not going to be let the creative minds come up the energy in your office when you know we first met it was always exciting right. you know it was always busy and the energy and the beautiful ladies you know that worked at the office it was just so much fun it was yeah. so cool and that's just the reflection of him yeah well yeah. thank you i'm honored they did have very beautiful. I was always under the opinion that beautiful women can be smart and intelligent too. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. They, they can. Yes. And you know, the girls were all 
the Amazing. girls, and I but always protected them like my yep. five sisters. Always. Yeah, always looked down on them. Absolutely. Yeah. It was so great. When you when I'd come and visit you, I'd go and hang out at the office, and all of a sudden it'd be time for me to leave, and I'd you know say hi to all the girls, and you always made sure that I had someone to walk me to my car. Mm-hmm. It's Pasquale sometimes, or uh, Ray, <laughs> little Ray. Oh, right. Yeah. The calibers. <laughs> yes. Funny Whose guy. story... I'll never forget you just, I remember there was a story, you were having a meeting, something happened, there's this big, (laughs) tell the story. Oh, he was, I said, listen, right, because he is just really a funny guy. Mm -hmm. He he can mimic anybody Mm -hmm. on TV, anybody. You you, you let him see him five minutes on TV, he'll mimic him. So Ray, he's always kidding around, and I said, Ray, this is a really important meeting. I said, Cut with the humor a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much humor. Like, okay, John, all right. So he went and he sat in the chair like this and sat the chair, just went right back. <laughs> completely fell backwards <laughs> in the chair. I mean, you can see his little feet. Yeah, well, I could see his two feet sticking up behind the desk. <laughs> right? So here's a guy who was, he was going to be very, very serious about the meeting and everything. First thing he did is fall over backwards in his chair. <laughs> May God bless him. He's, he's a good guy, good friend. Oh, my God. That was just so fun. Just great people that I met, your friends, always I'm had a great time. Too, yeah. Always. Just, his soul. Oh, yeah. man. Pasquale, Gail, Stu. Yeah. yeah. Right, was Stu there at the time? Man? Yes, Stu was there. Stu Stewie. Really tall? No. Right? No, Stu? No, yeah. Pasquale was tall. No. No? I wasn't tall. I don't think anybody in my office was really <laughs> well, tall. Well, but they're taller than me. All five two of me, right? <laughs> Everybody's yeah. taller than me. Yeah. But anyhow. Now well, you have. Before we uh get out of here, I always like to ask people these ten questions. So just sure. give me whatever is the first thing that comes to your head here. Tell me one thing about you that most people don't know. Um, and I've been so public lately, I found out things about me I didn't know. <laughs> so, I don't know if there's anything I can tell you about that hasn't been out there. Um, I, uh, let me think about it. I'll, okay. I'll go back to that one. <laughs> okay. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. What's the greatest part about being Joe Isgro? Um, now, then. <laughs> At any time. At any some, time. Well, there were some times it was not a great idea being Joe Isgrove. <laughs> In fact, even knowing Joe Isgrove wasn't a great idea, right? So, I mean, at this stage of my life, yeah. it's a different story. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm in my 70s now. Yeah. And it's good because I work when I want to work. Yeah. And I work with whom I want to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a great time and a great part time in my life for mm-hmm. me right now. To be able to work with the people that I want to work with, producers yeah. and artists and things like that, yeah. and developing new artists, it's it's more fun for me. I don't have to go to an office. I don't have to be up at this time. I'm a, when I'm going to have my meeting. So that's kind of a great time Yeah, or a great thing for me. Mm-hmm. On the opposite side, what can what has been the most challenging part of being Joe Isgrove? <laughs> 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 you got another yeah. hour for I've had a few challenges in my life, that's for sure. I mean, I've, I've had uh, close calls medically. Yeah. I, I had an open heart surgery. Uh, two of them, as a matter of fact, replaced valve, so got through that okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. And Amen. Uh, um, Vietnam was a little bit of a trip for yeah. a couple mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. And then after all the nonsense that went down with of the course. government and all mm-hmm. that, yeah. that was, uh, and that went on. Um, 
even after the case had ended and mm -hmm. I won the case, mm -hmm. it went on for 10 years yeah. after that because yeah. the government kept appealing the case mm -hmm. yeah. and back to court we went yeah. mm -hmm. until finally, almost to the day, 10 years later before yeah. it was finally resolved. Yeah. Yeah. What has been, what do you think your highest career point has been to date? What has like been your pinnacle thus far? It, I, I don't know. It, it, some people evaluate it on how much money they're making. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, mm -hmm. that was the high point of my life. I mm -hmm. was making 80000 or $80 million a year. Yeah. Um, if, if you base it on that, uh, it would have been you know, the things. But to me, the high point of my career is, is, is the ability to put all that together. I mean, it, it wasn't just promotion. That's yeah. what I did. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it was record labels, yeah. touring companies, publishing companies. Yeah. And, and, and that was great with the help of a lot of really good people. Uh, around me and certainly a lot of good friends. Mm -hmm. mm. Um what has been your biggest career regret? Um let's see biggest regret. Um I don't I don't really know that I have any regrets. I don't okay. think I would do it is what it is. Okay. I had rough times and good times, but mm. I don't think I'd have done anything <laughs> different. This this one might be a little loaded. <laughs> What's the biggest misconception, public misconception about you? Um, I don't even know the public even has a conception. Of <laughs> I mean, it, again, it, it depends on what type of, uh, uh, what time in my life mm -hmm. you're talking about. Yeah. At one time, I was a, a great music entrepreneur yes. and very respectful. Another time, I'm a, a gangster. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, you know, it just depends on the time because I've had so many different things in my life right. going on. It's not just been one thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's a, an acceptable answer yeah, to your question is. is the yes. best I can mm -hmm. give you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> At this point in your life, would you choose love or money and why? Um, I, I'd certainly say love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I, I, I was focused because I had no money as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, as a kid, it's really difficult for your parents to sell you on the fact that it's better to give than to receive. Mm, yeah. That was horseshit and applesauce <laughs> to me when I yeah. didn't get a bicycle <laughs> yeah. on Christmas. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh. but later on in life, when. When I made money mm -hmm. and everything was going really well for me, I then I could appreciate what the, the meaning of that. Mm -hmm. It really, because I had everything I wanted. Yeah. I really did enjoy yeah. giving to people I didn't. And love, certainly, I'm caring about somebody because I don't, in my life right now, I'm a single guy. My father said, you'll walk alone one day, and he was right. Mm -hmm. So, but it, it's all good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all good. Couple more. What's the craziest rumor you've ever heard about yourself? The craziest thing that you've ever heard about yourself? I think it was in Hitman. <laughs> oh. um, if my memory serves me right, and it really even bothered my mother because uh -huh. I got a call from my mother because oh, no. at that point in time, you know, I was getting barraged left and right. right. Mm -hmm. So in Hitman, it went on to say, and this guy went way out of his way to try to defame my military record and everything. Oh yeah. no! And and he had said that uh, he said, well, I I can't. Joe's Grow was a decorated veteran, and he was in a lot of combat activity, and here were the things he was in. But it was easy for him because he enjoyed the kill. Oh. I mean, how do you, how did he oh. say this about a 19-year-old kid that never had a gun in his hand in his life, never had wow. any prior arrest record for anything? I mean, you want to tear me apart? Like my mother said, you want to rip me apart? That's fine. Yeah. But something you know, wow. a guy serves the country, you know that, and that's your response to it? Yeah. How do you say that about it? I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess that was probably one of the things Jerk. that really kind of, only because it affected my mother. Yeah. yeah. The rest of the stuff she got used to, she didn't pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> 
If you could trade places with one person <laughs> for a day, who would it be and why? Um, if I could trip, um, Elon Musk. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I guess it would be him. And why? Uh, because I just, I, I really admire the guy. I think mm. he's, he's ballsy. And yep. he's he's just he's a player. He's a real wheeler and dealer. He changes things. And he said, "Well, I, I I really like the guy. I think he's yep. an incredible guy." So that would be my answer. Awesome. All right. And then the last one is this is a finished finish the sentence. If I could do it all over again, I would. Um, I don't know. That's kind of what I kind of what I do. What I said in the beginning, if I could do it all over again. Mm -hmm. I don't. I've I've had a blessed life, yeah. mm. even with all the baloney that I went through. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that I said, God, I wish I wouldn't have done this, or mm -hmm. God, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. If 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 you really hit me with a couple of things, they probably say, Yeah, I would. I should have done that. Right. <laughs> I shouldn't have right. done that. Yeah. I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. But to say overall in my life, yeah. is there things that like something that would be major to me mm -hmm. that changed my life? Mm -hmm. Just something I would say, I, I, I wouldn't have done that mm -hmm. or I would have mm -hmm. done this. I, I don't really think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great answer. I, I don't know how, yeah. how much that answers your question. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. It's the best I got for you. Every, any answer is a great answer. And are we going to go back to number one? Oh, you got oh. <laughs> Tell me one thing about you that most people don't know. I don't, I, uh, um, it can be something really obscure. Well, I came up with the one with you know he was a big Peter Falk fan that nobody knew. That's right. Yeah. What let Avalone should we come up and find out? <laughs> okay. Uh, I I don't know. My life has been so public. I've yeah. I mean, twenty nine books. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know that until yeah. somebody told me. Says, oh, I'm in, in the Hitman book. You're in twenty eight other books. Oh my God. Do you Just, like to cook? No. Uh, no. Don't <laughs> like to, no. Don't like to cook at all. Um, Do you draw? Uh, no, no, no. There's nothing creative about me at all. Have you ever written a song, lyrics? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Um, Do you like to sing? No, no. In the shower? No. Not even in the shower. No, uh, no. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I like to help people. I like, especially an artist, a struggling type mm, artist. Yeah. I really have empathy for him. I really want to see if I can do something to help them. But, uh, but I do that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't. I just don't have a good answer for you. Yeah. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. You know, because I look at each thing that I experience I had in life led to something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So nobody has a great life all the way through, mm -hmm. and yeah. nobody has a horrible life all the way through. Right. Different events change things. So if you change something prior to this event, that mm -hmm. event may never have happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By leaving Motown was a sad time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it would have never, if I didn't leave Motown, it wouldn't have led to where I ended up at. Yeah. And then if I didn't go there, it wouldn't end up to the bad times. Right. So right. You can right. just follow your entire life as mm -hmm. you can, I'm sure, do the same thing in Apollonia. Yeah. Right. You can do the same thing and yeah. just say, True. I shouldn't have done that. But then that wouldn't happen if I right. didn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's right. I guess the again, journey convoluted answer, but the best I got yeah. for you. The peaks journey. And valleys, the peaks yeah. and the valleys. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Well, this has been. An unbelievable. Uh, well, I time. certainly enjoyed it. Thank you. Anytime I get to spend time with Apollonia. Yes. And certainly since we've met, enjoy your company. Thank you. So Thank, much. You, Joe. Thank, you so much. Thank you so much. Privilege and pleasure. My honor. My Thank you pleasure. So much. We're honored.
Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. We're done. Oh, yes, we're yeah. done. We just want to say thank you so much for watching Apollonia Studio mm -hmm. 6. Thank you to my friend Joe Isgro. Yes. Thank you, and we will see you next time. <laughs> see you soon. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. If you want official Apollonia merchandise, visit ApolloniaCotero.store and ApolloniaCotero.com.